Welcome to Live Your Full Life Now podcast. So we're still um, continuing our teaching on the subject of have faith, take action, and get results. Um, so I believe this is our fifth teaching on the subject. And uh, so what we're trying to do is learn these lessons uh, from the Bible. Basically, we're l- learning um, the stories from the Bible that shows us how when people um, had faith, uh, but also took action at the same time, uh, miracles happens, great things happen. It wasn't just them having faith, that just wasn't enough, but uh, there's tons of story in the Bible, New Testament, um, Old Testament, that when they actually believed uh, what they had faith in, believed in God, and took action, and that's when it opened the doors to um, miracles. Um, so this time we're going to be going over the story of Rahab. I'm sure some of you guys have heard the story of Rahab. Rahab um, is in the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, the interesting fact is that she was a prostitute. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, that may shock you. And that what kind of, you know, uh, why would God choose a prostitute to be in the lineage of Jesus? But that's, that's how um, compassionate and loving and forgiving our God is. Um, and I believe that story is in the Bible uh, for a purpose. It probably speaks to, uh, you know, people out there who feel like there is no chance for them, that God would forgive them, that there's no way God can use them, that they're not, uh, you know, um, they're damaged goods. And those are the lies of the enemy that, that the enemy feeds people to stop them from being used by God to accomplish great things. Um, so I think the story of Rahab will give a lot of, uh, 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 will give most of us uh, a lot of hope about what turning our heart to God at any time can accomplish, not just for us, but for loved ones and even um, for the kingdom of God. So Rahab, if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, this story is in Joshua 2, and of course it continues. Um, it kind of just starts there, but I will be mostly quoting from Joshua 2 today. Uh, but just to stage the background, um, I'm going to go over the characters of the story. So Rahab, remember, she is, um, she lives, she's a Gentile, she's a foreigner. Uh, she's raised in, you know, pagan religion. So in other words, they worship idols and she's not part of the Israelites. And she lives in Jericho. Jericho is part of Canaan. And then I'll get into that as far as the type of people that live there. Uh, so that's who Rahab is. And then I want to tell you guys about Jericho. So Jericho, again, like I just mentioned, is part of Canaan. And Canaan is the land that God promised that he would deliver into the hands of Israelites. In other words, this Canaan is occupied by non-Israelites. And God, is, God has promised Israelites that I'm going to give you that land. That was part of the promised land that God wanted to deliver from the people that lived there into the hands of Israelites. Um, of course, they had to go into a battle for it, uh, but we'll go over that later. So, but the people who lived there, again, they worshiped idols. Um, Canaanites are the ones who lived there in Canaan, and Jericho was the city in, uh, in that region. And the Bible says that the Canaanites, uh, they were described as people that were fierce. You know, they're described as large people, um, wicked and idolatrous people. So, um, that's who they were. Now, uh, I want to talk to you guys about Joshua. So Joshua is the pretty much second in command to Moses. And when Moses died, God used Joshua 
um, to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And so he was called by God to lead his people, the people of Israel, through the Jordan River and then into the promised land. And that the first city would be Jericho that God wanted them to conquer. Uh, and so what does Joshua do? Joshua believes God. Joshua believes God because God is promising Joshua that I'm going to deliver this land into your hands uh, and I'm going to drive out the Canaanites out of it so you guys can take a hold of that land and it, it can become yours. Now, you know, Joshua doesn't argue or doesn't look at the facts that, well, the story we've heard about these people, they're giants, there's so many of them, uh, we can't, there's no way we can fight them. He doesn't look at that. He doesn't look at the facts. But he's looking at a God who is able to do, to make anything happen, right? He's looking at God's promises and God's power um, and God's goodness, and he pretty much trusts what God is telling him. So um, this is how the story takes place. So um, remember that God wants to deliver this land, Jericho, into the hands of Israelites. So I'm going to start reading um, Joshua 2. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn to that, we can kind of you can follow me um, based on the readings. So Joshua 2, 2 says that the Joshua son of Nun secretly sent two spies from Shittim, and uh, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So let's stop right here. So Joshua, first of all, he has a strategy on how, how are we going to go about conquering this land. First, he wants to send out spies to get information, right? So they can strategize how they're going to attack the city. And these spies come into this house of this prostitute. Um, now, of all the people there, why would they pick that house? I believe, as you will learn, because of Rahab's heart had turned toward God, uh, that God probably led them to that house, right? Because she cooperated with them um, and she helped them. So um, let's continue reading. And this is in, again, Joshua 2, 4. Uh, it says, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the man came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Uh, go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Uh, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax uh, she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road uh, that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So in other words, uh, people see, let's say neighbors see that uh, these two spies, Israelites, are coming to Rahab's house, and they immediately report it to the king, and the king sends, um, you know, uh, soldiers to go talk to her and say, what are you doing with these men? What do they want? Where did they go? And you think, you know, if the government sends police at your door, you would uh, be in fear and tell them exactly what they want to hear, but she didn't. She um, didn't give in to her fear, and she lied to them, and she's like, yeah, they came here, but I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they went. They left already. They went that way. You should go follow them. So she completely lies to them, and why is that? Let's see, like, where did she get this courage to lie to them? Because she pretty much risked her life, like, like if they had found out she was lying, they could have killed her. 
Um, so we're going to continue reading. And um, so she goes to the roof, but she was actually hiding them. They hadn't left. So she goes to the roof, and then uh, this is in verse 8. It says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you, great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you uh, when you came out of Egypt and when you did uh, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So this is very significant of what she said. So she's saying, you know, we've heard about you guys. We've heard that God is on your side, that he's helping you. Uh, he's giving you victories and we're afraid. And she's like, like pretty much she's saying everybody in this town has heard about what God has been doing for you guys. We heard that he parted the Red Sea. We heard what he did to the kings that uh, th those were the kings as Amorites that you came against them. And she's saying, I believe the same God who did those things for you, he's going to do the same thing here and he's going to destroy us all because we're not part of your nation. We're not God followers. You know, we're idol worshipers and um, we're not his chosen people. So, but, but what she did is she acknowledged who God is and she acknowledged his power and what he's done. This last sentence, if you pay attention, she's saying, for the Lord your God is God in heaven. So she's saying, you have the true God, basically, right? And then she says, the heaven above and on the earth below. So she's pretty much surrendering. She's acknowledging who God is. Whereas it makes you wonder, like if everybody else in that town heard the same thing, how come they weren't afraid? How come they weren't thinking the same thing? They're probably thinking, oh, wow, well, they probably just, you know, got lucky or they were not giving the credit to God and they didn't have the same fear of God that she did, right? So it sounds like she turned her heart toward God and she acknowledged who he is in relationship to who they are and what are and the things that he's doing for his chosen people. She knew that she's not part of them, right? But she acknowledged his existence and his power. Uh, so verse 12 now says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brother and sisters, and all who belong uh, to them, and that you will save us from death. So again, let's stop right here. So she knew what's coming. She knew that the destruction of the whole city, you know, that, that death is imminent, not just for her, but everybody else who lived in Jericho, because she had heard about, like I said, the news, what had God done for them, and uh, she believed that he's going to do the same thing there, right? So she's trying to make a deal. Hey, I helped you guys, and I want you guys to spare my life. And it's interesting that she doesn't just pray for herself. She doesn't, uh, you know, ask for to save her own life, but she's really asking to save the life of her family, of her, it says her, you know, immediate family. Um, you know, it says her uh, people that matter to her. And, you know, it, I... It, it made me wonder, like, if she was a prostitute, I wonder how her family felt about her. You know, I wonder how they treated her. 
I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just assuming they probably were not on the best terms with her, right? But she still cared about them. She still loved them and she wanted them. Um, she was looking for a way that their lives would be spared as well. So she risked her life pretty much to risk herself and her to save herself, but not just herself, but her family's lives as well. Um, so verse 14 says, our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. And again, let's stop right there. So again, these two spies, they have seen uh, what Jericho looks like, who lives there, what they're against. You know, apparently they, they had huge walls around the city, forts that were impenetrable. But they're still not relying on themselves and on their power. Uh, they're saying, when the Lord gives us the victory, you know, we, we will pay you back for what you did for us. You protected us. Uh, you know, you didn't tell on us. So therefore, yes, we're going to give you, grant you your request and spare your life and your family's life. Um, so then verse 15 says, so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. So uh, she helps them to uh, escape without being caught uh, because people that were looking for them, she kind of sent them on a wild goose chase, basically, on a different route. And verse 17 says, Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding unless when we enter the land you have tied the scarlet cord and the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brother, and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the streets, their blood will be on your heads, on your own head. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on your head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. So pretty much they make a deal like, yes, uh, we will protect you and your family. But for in order for us to know which house it is that we're supposed to protect, you need to let down a scarlet, a red scarlet uh, from your window. So pretty much like it's a marked house, right? So they know when they're attacking the city, burning down the city, that they're going to spare her and her family. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Um, so but feel free to read the rest of it on your own. So, so pretty much just to summarize, these spies came. Uh, she housed them. She lied that they're not there. She helped them escape. But she at the same time made a deal with them that uh, spare my life and my family's life. And um, the significance of the story is that she was not part of the a nation of Israel. She was not a God follower. She was part of a nation that were idolaters. Um, you know, they uh, were not worshipers of God, but there came a point about she turned around. She Her heart turned toward God because of the things that she heard uh, about what God had done for the Israelites. She put her faith in that, and she believed that, uh, you know, death is imminent if I don't turn to God, if I don't um, if I stay the way I am and if I, um, you know, don't do anything, if I don't take any action or if I turn these people in, we're all going to die anyway, right? She realized how powerful who God is 
um, that he's the God of the nation of Israel is the true God. And she acknowledged that, um, that she can be spared. She and her family can be spared. Of course, she didn't know for sure, but, um, just the fact that she acknowledged who God is and his power and his, uh, love for the nation of Israel. She, that's how she made a deal with them. So, um, the moral of the story is, you know, sometimes in the Bible, we read stories that God tells his people to take certain action and not only they believe in it, but take act, they, they do exactly what God tells them and then the, the miracles are performed. But in this case, just like the story of Hannah, who couldn't have any kids, right? And also the story of the woman with the issue of the blood, God didn't tell them. God didn't tell the woman with the issue of blood, go find where Jesus is and try to reach and touch him and uh, you know, uh, you will stop bleeding. And he didn't tell Hannah, you need to keep continuing worshiping me and paying sacrifices and you know, going to the temple every year. He didn't tell. She had a choice. She could have said, forget it. This is not working. Um, I'm not having any kids. And then again, the same story with Hannah. Hannah didn't have to um, house those spies and lie about them and risk her life. And God didn't tell her that, right? She, she believed what she heard about the true God, and she acknowledged who he is. Basically, that's the action that she took. She risked her life because of her faith. And at the end, she was spared. Um, but not only her, but also her family. But I want to finish this. Uh, but I highly encourage you guys to read it all the way to Joshua 6 because it's really interesting. This is a famous um, miraculous story in the Bible about how the walls of Jericho fell. Uh, it's really um, fun to read it, how God used them and told them exactly what to do. You know, they took, they took the, uh, the, the, um, the priests with the trumpets and they walked around the walls and so many times they uh, yelled and the, miraculously the walls fell. So I would highly encourage that you guys read that story on your own in Joshua 6. Uh, but back to the story of Hannah, I want to f- finalize this by telling you, I started this saying by that Hannah, Rahab was in lineage of Jesus. Now you're going to say, you might say how. So Hannah, so I'm sorry, I keep saying Hannah. I meant Rahab married after her, her life was spared, right? They brought her into the nation of Israel, right? So she lived with them. She married Solomon, and now Rahab and Solomon are the father and mother of Boaz. Now, Boaz is another interesting story that we'll probably cover another time. Boaz and Ruth, okay, are the father and mother of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. Okay, so King David, you know, have you heard... Uh, stories in the Bible that they call Jesus son of David, right? Because he's in the lineage, his father, Joseph, his, um, of course, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit of Mary, uh, but let's say his uh, adopted father, um, Joseph, was in the lineage of Jesus, but so was his mother, Mary. Um, So isn't that interesting that a prostitute who turned her heart toward God and risked everything to follow him, how she was used in the lineage of uh, Jesus, how not only she was spared, but her family was spared because of her faith. So that was the action that she took. So sometimes at any time of our lives, I believe anyone, if they stop, if they're going the wrong way and stop and say, wait, stop, let's see who God is. Let's see what he's done. And I want to turn my life to him and I want to trust him and believe him. And I'm not going the other way around. And I'm not worshiping the idols anymore. I want to worship him, 
just look at the miraculous things that happens through that. And um, if you look for those stories, you'll find them. So um, this was the story of Rahab. Again, it was a very summarized version of it. I hope you guys enjoy it. But I highly recommend that you read the book of Joshua to learn the whole story about how God used and helped uh, Israelites take hold of. He delivered them, delivered Jericho, part of Canaan, into their hands, which was part of the promised land. But he used a prostitute who turned her heart toward God, and he did miraculous things because that prostitute took action. She not only had faith, but took action, an action that almost risked her life. So um, I hope this story is encouraging, and um, I um, hope that if you haven't turned your heart toward God, uh, at this point you will, and trust that how, you know, he's the king of kings, um, the Lord of lords, the king of glory, the only ruler. And at any time you turn your heart toward him, he's there to accept you uh, with open arms and love on you more than you can ever, ever imagine or feel. So um, I'm going to end this teaching here. So until the next teaching, God be with you and God bless you.